0: Golden Edge presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. The contract uh, was his request was uh, more than we thought uh, um, reasonable for us, and um, so. When well, it came right down to it, said, let's uh, make the move and uh, turn him into uh, some draft picks uh, that we can use in the future. What is up? Golden Edge podcast time here with the Review Journals, Adam Hill and Ben Goats, letting you know everything you need to know about what is going on with the Golden Knights. And right now, that is all about Nikita Gusev as we stand here several weeks from the start of training camp until players are coming back to town. Just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, get the Nikita Gusev news. We kind of knew something might be coming, but really kind of just dropped in uh in the middle, middle of the week here. So uh let's get get to it. Let's break it down. But first of all, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share everything you do with podcasts wherever you find us. Tell your friends that we are here uh breaking down the Golden Knights pretty much each and every week. And don't forget, Golden Edge Podcast is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casino. So Ben, we talked about it just now. We got the news Nikita Gusev traded. Goose is loose. <laughs> the goose is loose in New Jersey, not in Las Vegas. Not completely surprising, but it did kind of just drop out of nowhere.
1: Just kind of dropped. Like all of a sudden, reports uh, came up on Twitter that, you know, they were in discussions. And then all of a sudden, like 20 minutes later, it felt like, hey, it's official. The uh, Golden Knights have given Nikita Gusev over to the New Jersey Devils, who are continuing like a wild off-season for them. Wild Goose Chase? Oh, their, their Goose tweet was phenomenal. It was. Uh, for those of you by computers, check out the Goose tweet that they sent out before the trade was official, mind you, yeah. which yeah. was phenomenal. I'll give that social media manager a raise. Uh, anyway, the Knights send him over there. Uh, they get a 2023rd round pick, 2021 second-round pick, uh, and the Nikita Gusev saga uh, once and for all, basically. Clear that up before training camp, so that's completely out of the way, and there's a lot to unpack after yeah, that.
0: There really is. And there's so many directions to go. But I guess just for first of all, the the actual trade doesn't blow anybody away. I don't think anybody's no. looking at this and saying, wow, they got a second round pick in 2021 and a third round this year. Like, no, nobody's gonna be blown away by that. This was more, no deal is gonna be done. What's the most you could possibly get for them? And if you listen to George McPhee, if you trust George McPhee on the uh, conference call yesterday there was only two teams that were seriously interested and the devils had the better offer of the two and they decided to just take it i think it's interesting to just say we're going to cut this off and it, maybe he's accurate and that there wasn't a whole lot of market for him because you would think if there was there's no deadline you could let it play out as long as you want you could let it go into the season i mean it, it was kind of odd to just say all right this is the best we're going to do here's the trade it's done
1: it was interesting timing, especially considering that we're starting to get to like arbitration cases. Uh, I think actually starting today, we're recording on uh, July thirtieth, so teams are going to have more financial clarity, you know, in the next couple weeks. Uh, there's certainly some big name RFAs that need to be re-signed by teams, but I actually just did a quick, I mean, search on cap friendly. This doesn't take that much time to like look down the list of teams and how much cap space they have. There's not a lot of teams that just can have four and a half million dollars, which is what the Devils gave Nikita Gusev per year uh, just lying around at this point or the teams that do have that money because the Winnipeg Jets and the Colorado Avalanche technically have that money right now. Uh, They also have big-name RFAs. like All the money that the Jets currently have is about to go away to their RFAs. Um, Mika Rantanen is about to take up a huge chunk of the Avalanche's remaining salary cap space. So I do kind of believe that there is a somewhat limited market, which is why I was... You know, less shocked by the return because this feels like about right. Like the second and third round pick feels like the right, you know, value if you're going to do a deal. Now, if you're the night you obviously hope more teams get involved in the process and you kind of raise the price. But what they got feels right. I just was a little surprised that. Not enough teams got in, but when you look at kind of the cap situation around the league, because the cap didn't raise that much this year, and certainly not as much as everyone expected it to, it does somewhat add up.
0: Yeah, and in this case, as you said, the Golden Knights get a second and a third uh, for Gusev. The Devils signed him to a $4.5 million deal for two years. So when you look at it and say, well, the Knights could have made a move, figured something out to get some space and sign Gusev. And I know one of the things that I just keep hearing constantly from people is, hey, trade Nick Holden, sign Gusev. But that still actually wouldn't have
1: quite got them enough calorie, yeah, salary. Yeah, you need someone space. else besides Nick Holden to make it work.
0: Yeah, and so like now you're looking at potentially trading two guys or you know, early in the offseason there was discussion, is Patch already available? Is March so available? Now you start like – Okay, if you if you're a fan, because I, I heard it again yesterday, and I got all this feedback of I'd rather have Goosef than Holden. It's just not that easy. It's not that simple. That's it's
1: not a one for one.
0: Right. It's not, and you have to look at the combination of players that you would have used, you know, to to fill that space and to clear up enough space. Who? How many players would you have to get rid of? Who would you have to get rid of? Who would you have to move to clear Gusev? And the question became, Do you believe in Gusev that much that you're willing to break up the team? And McPhee was very clear. No, I was not willing to break up the team that we had
1: to try to get a deal done with Gusev. And that's kind of what you would have had to do. I think not only break up the team, but then also lose more assets in that deal, too. Because I think it's easy for us to, you know, project right now. Because I think the most common trades that people were thinking of is you get rid of Nick Holden. You get rid of Ryan Reeves, who kind of has a high average annual value right now. And that clears up the space for Gusev. And obviously that works in, you know, most people's minds because Holden, unclear what his role will be next year. Reeves, you know, fourth-line winger, not going to score a bunch for you. I think he does provide a lot of value that, you know, is kind of a little bit hidden. Doesn't show up on the stat sheet. But he's a very common trade target. But to get rid of those guys, you're not getting stuff back, I think, for either one of those guys. I mean, I just went through that not a lot of teams have the salary cap space to probably sign Nikita Gusev to the deal that... uh, The Devils gave him, at least not comfortably. So if I'm a team taking back Ryan Reeves' salary in a case where cap space kind of around the league is pretty tied up right now, I'm saying, no, you need to give me picks to take back Reeves' contract. Or like, yeah, Nick Holden, like third pair guy at best, probably a guy we're going to scratch a lot. Like, yeah, I want to pick from you, George McPhee, in order to take that contract back. So instead of gaining picks, which is what they got for trading away Nikita Gusev, you're now giving away more picks To add Gusev and then getting rid of other players who might not have big roles on this team as we sit here right now, but at least provide some level of depth, which, you know, can, of course, be important at the start of a 82 game regular season. I think it's really easy to when we project the roster, which we'll do probably at the end of this podcast, but when you project, you know, the 23 man roster coming out of training camp, I think people have to remember you're not going to play 23 guys during the regular season that just doesn't happen you're going to have probably like 30 skaters play for you at some point during the regular season that's just how it works guys get injured guys going in and out of the lineup like guys are going to get opportunities that you don't think they will right at training camp it's going to happen and so you need to not just build you know the best 23 possible in the offseason you need to build you know the best 30 and make sure that you have guys that if someone gets injured can conceivably play and play decently well for you, you know, in that stretch. So the, this will
0: all be judged in the future just on how Gusev does. Like 100%. How Gusev plays the next two years will determine how people feel about this trade. It won't even matter what anybody, like if, even if Holden had like some great season, nobody would be like, oh, it's good they held on to him. Like it'll this is going to strictly be judged on how Nikita Gusev does for New Jersey.
1: Which we should say, uh he's potentially, at least in my mind, if I'm looking at the devil's lineup, he's potentially gonna be like a second-line winger with number one overall pick uh, Jack Hughes. It's already not looking great for George McPhee in this case, yeah. where he's Gusev's gonna be in a pretty good spot. Yeah, he's going to be in a position
0: to succeed, and then all of a sudden, the anger will come but then you you also have to think as we as you're kind of referencing there he wouldn't have had the same role with the golden no. knights so it w- he's not going to he's just by situation you would expect he's going to be more successful in new jersey than he would have in vegas doesn't he would have maybe contributed more to a successful team here and had a more more a bigger impact on the ice but the stats will be much more um prevalent i believe in new jersey and in, in the situation that he's going to be placed into so that's how it's going to be judged and based on that, I thought it was pretty interesting yesterday that George McPhee did kind of go out of his way to say, mm, not very big, not very fast.
1: Yes, he got some question marks there. <laughs> and, yeah, very specific uh, dings on Gusev there, which is interesting. And what I took away from that is not just, hey, we're going to ding Gusev a little bit on the way out. But it did make me think they're really dinging what people assumed his role would be. On this team which is I think a lot of people thought oh, he's gonna be the third line left wing He'll play over Brandon Peary, and it'll be Gusev Eakin tuck And I think what McPhee was kind of hinting at there is like I don't know if that quite worked. of like Gusev's not a guy that's gonna be battling in the corners. He's not you know Super physical. We're not gonna have him winning a lot of puck battles down there and Then he just doesn't have like this elite speed so You know, who knows if he's going to be able to keep up with Eakin, who's not slow. I mean, Tuck, who's definitely not slow for his size. You know, that was just very interesting. I mean, I think to put Gusev in the best position to succeed, you're going to have to play him with, you know, other skilled players who can get in the puck in good spots. And he's going to probably have to get some power play time because, you know, his best part of his game are his hands and his kind of skill level. And I don't know if either of those things were gonna happen on a consistent basis, at least at first with the Golden Knights. Yeah. So we'll
0: certainly monitor uh what Gusev does in New Jersey, and that will you know, I, I'm sure fans will be watching those games almost as closely as they're watching Golden Knights games, and you'll see VGK Twitter light up every time Gusev scores. That's something to be ready for this
1: year. It's gonna be fascinating.
0: Yeah. And, you know, again, we it's it's almost impossible to say. How good it could be everybody has their opinions i know fans believe he's going to be wayne gretzky and you know the golden knights had to determine just how much of that is hype how much of that translates to this ice and listen the golden knights did you know i've seen a lot of people criticizing well you did so much work to get him over here to get him in your system to get him here for the playoffs you didn't even play him and now you don't sign him like what was the point maybe that was the point that they wanted to see him they wanted to get him up close and they they just didn't feel Like overwhelmed by him.
1: And the point was they did get, you know, a second and a third round draft pick back, which is basically part of McPhee's argument yesterday was hey, we had this guy basically sitting over in Russia, you know, doing nothing for us last year. Obviously, he was playing very well in the KHL, but like doing nothing for our organization last year. So like he's like, this was kind of, you know, like one of two scenarios we had where we either, either could bring him over here and sign him and he becomes a player for us. Or we bring him over here and now he's an asset that we use to get more assets, which is what they did. They got more draft picks that they can now use to either draft players or, you know, maybe they can use him at the trade deadline this year to get guys or to ship out, could still ship out a Holden or a Reeves at some point if they want to create salary cap space to add someone else. So, I mean, McPhee's kind of point is like, hey, we didn't just give up on him. We got something back for him. He was a valuable asset to this organization. He's just not an asset in the kind of way I think most fans were hoping he would be. I, I even saw fans t- calling
0: for McPhee to be fired yesterday, which is just crazy. Oh, I got that in my inbox too. You have no it idea. Happens. You have no idea what Gusev is going to be. You have no idea what the team's going to look like, where his role would have even been. It's just it's insane to to react that strongly off of this
1: deal. Because oh, we don't know. I mean, it's like prefer- I think that's just the like even, you know, uh, I talked to Gerard Gallant last week and he was like, hey. Uh, In practice, we thought Gusev was a super highly skilled player. What he is in the NHL, I don't know. I mean, even Gerard Gallant, uh, basically, you know, maybe he was playing kind of a little bit of a game with me, but he was like, I still don't know what he would do in the NHL because he's like, until you see him in the NHL, you just don't know. Like, you need to see him in a game. You need to see how, in a game setting, he adjusts to the ice sheet. He adjusts the physicality. You have to see if his skill level translates, which I assume it will on some level. Like, I have no doubt he's going to be an NHL player. Now, whether he's a good NHL player, great NHL player, like kind of like meh NHL player. That's all up in the air. And so it's going to be, like you said, fascinating to s- kind of watch that saga play out this year, especially because like I said, I think he's in a pretty good spot in New Jersey. Like if I'm him, I'm not super upset about how all this played out because he got paid. I mean, his take home pay is, not going to be actually that different because of the tax situation yeah. in New Jersey, but you know, a pretty good market you're playing with some really good players. I mean, potentially, you could be on a power play unit with like Taylor Hall, PK Subban. Like, that's incredible. He's potentially going to play on a line with Jack Hughes. That's just me projecting, but I think that could definitely be a possibility. I mean, things are looking pretty good for him in terms of where he'll be in their lineup, what opportunities he could get over there. And he got traded from one Subban to another. <laughs>
0: that's really so true. He
1: was going to play with a Subban no matter what
0: in the NHL. So, certainly, there will be a lot of eyes in Las Vegas. On Nikita Gusev this season back in New Jersey, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it quite a bit here. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Now, there was a, a question, it's like a very uh, passionate question yesterday asked on the conference call about whether the team
1: is better now than they were at the end of the season. Uh, in your mind, are they? Yeah, it is a good question. I don't know how you can really make the definitive argument right now that they are better. Now, the key thing here is we've talked about this a lot. I think that the team that ended the season last year was a lot better than the team that began it for the Golden Knights because obviously they added Mark Stone. Uh, Shea Theodore moved from the left side to the right side of the blue line. I thought he played really well toward the end of the year. John Merrill emerged. So I do think the Knights were in a pretty good shape at the end of last year. And that group, is pretty much largely intact. They moved around the fringes and stuff. But that part's fine. But they really haven't pumped it up that much, so it's hard for me to tell where this group is going to be. Because once they got stoned, they played at about a hundred-some point pace. Like 104, I think it yeah. was, throughout the rest of the year. That's excellent. That's, you know, potentially you're winning the Pacific Division next year. But then you subtract a Carpenter, a Belmar. You don't really lose that's also, By the way, I'll I'll make the caveat also that that's, a, that's that
0: kind of a pace... And and that's factoring in the fact that when Flurry was down, they really struggled. So mm-hmm. like there was a stretch that they like they they were playing out of their minds for a long stretch with Mark yeah. Stone, and then had a couple injuries late in the season and kind of went into a lull when they couldn't. They were in that zone where they couldn't catch anybody and nobody could catch them. Like they weren't going to move up or down. Just In a funk. They were in a funk, and and they still had that pace. Yeah. So I mean, I I would I would argue that they're they were playing at an even higher level than that when they had their full team intact. Yeah. So you had a lot of Malcolm Subban in there. Yeah, so you could you could make that case uh, that you know they didn't have to get that much better because they were the team that they had on the ice. Even though there was the meltdown uh, at the end of Game Seven, obviously, uh, if not for that, they're a second round team potentially going on making a, another very deep run in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So right, you know, the team that beat them made it to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, so they didn't have to get that much better. Staying about where you were is probably pretty good.
1: It is. And I get people, though, that you can still pick a lot of nits with this team in terms of, like, I'm not that excited about the bottom six. I'm not that excited about what is now, you know, for sure locked in uh, third-line winger Brandon Peary. Not sure if that's a guy you want to, you know, just hand a job to. The fourth line, I think, you know, pierre Edward Belmar to Tomas Nosek potentially at fourth-line center. pretty big downgrade if that happens. Um, Colin Miller, you might miss a little bit on the power play, you know, that's one where you just don't know how a rookie would potentially fill in at that spot. Derek Englund's a year older. Derek England's a year older. I actually do kind of like the idea of him being a third pair defenseman with one of the rookies, but who knows if that'll actually happen. Marc-Andre is a year older. Marc-Andre is a year older. So there's a lot of, like, you know, now nit, nits to pick around the edges where I don't think you could do that as much with last year's team where they, for the most part, their forwards groups and their defenseman group at the end of last year, you know, they didn't have a true, like, number one defenseman. Like, I don't think Nate Schmidt's, like, you know, a top-level, all-star kind of guy. But other than that, I think they're pretty solid top to bottom. This one is a little—roster right now is a little bit more top-heavy. But there are still, you know, some growth stocks in terms of the young defensemen that could come in. And I think
0: that that's where you look at the potential for growth and the and the potential optimism that you could have is, sure, you lose some guys that were that were key factors, but it does open up some spots for some of the younger players. To come up, particularly the defenseman, which I know a lot of people are very excited about. Uh, but you could also have, you know, the potential for a guy like Cody Glass to contribute. Could and, definitely find a role in this and, team and at to, some point. And yeah, and, and if he brings excitement, if he can bring the kind of production that he's brought uh, throughout his, you know, his his career uh, as he's moved up in the levels, then uh, that's a guy that you could. They, there'll be a lot of excitement about. And people will be and, and could make the team better uh, with that kind of a, you know, youthful infusion coming into the team.
1: No, definitely, and I don't know if he'll find a role right away on this team because I'm not sure you want him to put him at fourth-line center. At least that's not what I would do. I would have yeah. him uh, continue developing in the AHL. But, hey, I mean, Paul Stasny has not made it through a full season in quite a while. I mean, he's you know pretty consistently missing 10, 15 games a season. Yeah. You do that, Cody Eakin moves up to the second line. You call Cody Glass up, and he's your third-line center for a couple of games. So I think, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Cody Glass will probably get an NHL opportunity at some point this season. I don't know if it's gonna come right out of training camp, but he's gonna to have to be ready at some point in this year for a call-up. You've also got more certainty with
0: William Carlson, which I do feel that at times the contract situation got to him last year. Now you can make the argument that once you get paid, there's, you know, some complacency and some, you know, kind of resting on your laurels a little bit. But I, I think in his case, he was he was thinking a lot about production to get the contract. And now that's in the past. So, I mean, that that's something that changes.
1: That is a fascinating subplot, though, where, I mean, almost all their forwards are locked in. Yeah. For all of the top six, besides Stasny, is locked in for at least, I believe, three seasons. Yeah. And well, and, Riley and,
0: Smith and, is three seasons. Paul Stasny's two. Everybody else is at least four.
1: Yeah. And if you want to do a top seven and include Alex Tuck, like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, they're, I mean, that entire forward group is locked in. Your top three defensemen, Schmidt, Theodore, uh, Brandon McNabb are all locked in for at least three years, I believe. And there's, and there's good and bad to that. I mean, yeah, it's great that if, if they're all
0: playing well and performing at the level that they have and you've got them locked up, you are thrilled and you've got your team locked in as a contender for years. If a couple of guys fall off and are struggling and you're paying a lot of money and you don't have a whole lot of cap flexibility, then it does become an issue. So it can go either
1: way. Right, definitely. But for the most part, yeah, like you said, this roster is set. This roster is still one that you know, arguably, obviously, should have advanced in the playoffs last year. I mean, I think if you look at a lot of, you know, analytic models or projections coming into the playoffs, the Knights were, you know, one of the three favorites to come out of the West. I mean, you know, analytics really liked that team. They're really good in, you know, a lot of the basic, like, Corsi stats and stuff like that. Didn't always translate on the ice, but the analytics always liked them. And I think just, you know, I was thinking about this today. I don't think the roster that they have right now is that much different than what you would have said about the St. Louis Blues roster going into last season's postseason? Probably not. Like, that Blues roster, now it's going to be legendary because they brought that city its first, you know, Stanley Cup. But, like, going into last postseason, I wasn't, like, blown away with the Blues roster. I mean, it's hockey. Sometimes you get hot and things happen, and that's one of the reasons why I think we all love the sport and love especially the postseason because, you know, you get hot at the right time and then anything can happen. And there's only so much kind of Planning And force that you can have over that as a front office, you know Does McPhee look smarter in the minds of people today if they had advanced to the Western Conference Finals and lost to the Blues? Does it get more benefit of the doubt with this trade if that happens? Probably. Yeah, it's like a fascinating question Like because we and we just don't know and life doesn't work that way But it is interesting to me because I do think last year's team was that talented and at the top didn't need that much work and you just lost a little around the margins because you kept that top group together, but overall, I don't think like this season is obviously. I think you should still, if you're a fan, expect the Knights to be right there in the mix for the Pacific Division title.
0: So, look at we'll look at real quick before we get out of here a little bit of what could be position battles uh, heading into training camp. Right now on the on the NHL roster, it's Flurry and Subban, but there could be some potential. I think Garrett Sparks, Garrett Sparks at least
1: is there to push Malcolm Stuban yeah. a little bit, just to make him a little bit uncomfortable after kind of a not-so-great year for Malcolm last year. Yeah, I think that was
0: a big part of the reason of bringing him in. Defensemen, there's six on the NHL roster that we're pretty certain are going to be there. Um, you know, Schmidt, Theodore McNabb, Holden, Merrill, England, and then I think an opening for maybe two of the younger guys.
1: One or two. It's I'd be curious to see how they play that because I think it depends on the guy. Like Jimmy Schultz, I think, is ready You know, he's already played in the NHL. I would guess he's going to compete really hard for one of those spots. And then I could see them potentially giving another job to, like, a Jake Bischoff, who's older at, like, 24, and even if he doesn't win a spot in the top six, they might say, you know what, Jake Bischoff's not learning anything else in the AHL. It's time for him to just be in the NHL. And, you know, give him a chance at some point. Well, that's, Whereas, no, that's no fun because I was going to say my picks were going to, <laughs> to, to be Schulton Bischoff to
0: be the last two on the defense. I still think roster.
1: that, like, I think Nick Hag is a real good chance to impress. And, you know, but I think Nick Hague has to make the top six. Nick Hag has to be on your second or third pair to start the year or else you're sending him back to the right. AHL for more seasoning. That was my thought on him because you know, he is still 20.
0: And, you know, he's still incredibly young. A lot of time to develop, and you don't want him sitting in the press box watching games in the NHL. It's either playing or back to the AHL for him, so I think they're going to be hesitant to trust him to play every night, and he'll be back in the AHL, at least for now, and in the NHL at some point.
1: Big preseason for him. Dr- I'm really interested to see. I think he's yeah. going to get more of a leash in the preseason. He'll, a lot of these guys will. He'll definitely be a guy to watch. And then,
0: technically, there's 14 forwards on the NHL roster right now, but... Um, there's gonna there's gonna be some some movement here, some flexibility, and maybe some opportunities for young guys. But
1: uh, who do you see as odd men out there? I mean, I just think the guys that stick out like kind of sore thumbs right now is they're gonna probably make a decision on either Curtis McKenzie or Valentin Zekov. Yeah, we'll see if one and or both are still on the roster by the time training camp ends. I mean, they're the clear guys where you go, yeah. I'm not really sure that they're gonna have a big role on this team this year. Or yeah. That they should be penciled into any sort of you know. Uh, top you know four lines it just seems so intrigued by Zikov's potential for some reason they do and I guess we'll see what he looks like in training camp and I mean certainly he could get chances this year I don't think you're like super locked into Brandon Peary every single night like I certainly don't think Brandon Peary is a guy you're gonna get that jacked about playing 82 games for you seems to love him he does you know he had a pretty decent year last year but I know, like I'm really curious, but like that bottom six just does not excite me. Compared to even like last year, the fourth line was fun because they check guys, they create yeah. chances. I think because of Belmar, and they wouldn't really get scored on, which is key. Right, they were good defensively, so you you could send them out to take uh, defensive zone draws. I'm not sure you're having Tomas Nosek move to center and uh, take a key draw in front of marc Andre Fleury
0: Would a potentially a Cody Glass centered
1: Ryan Reeves and will carry a line look interesting it would look interesting i don't know if i like that just because i yeah that's a lot to i feel like put on cody glass as a young player and it's also it, just it not what give you, him his skill some protection but <laughs> it's also just not what you want him to do like i feel like you want him to be a guy who's going to be a playmaker who's going to set up guys to score and how's cody glass going to feel once he gets to the nhl and no offense, Ryan Reeves. Elite goal scorer, Ryan Reeves. What are you talking you about? You passed the goal or the puck to Ryan Reeves and he completely misses the net. He, he's an elite so, goal scorer. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, this, this slander is not going to stand on this podcast. And if it's uh, me, I'd rather have a guy like uh, the guy they traded for, Patrick Waugh, uh, play that Roy. role. Roy. It's Patrick Roy. <laughs> I tried to go with the pron- nice pronunciation. We're going Roy. Uh, all right. I, I think Patrick Roy. Thank you. Could uh, be a better suit for that. Because Cody Glass, I think you want in the AHL playing... Five on five and both special teams. You want Cody Glass to develop into an all-around player who is on your power play, he's on your penalty kill, he's doing everything. I wasn't necessarily advocating it, I just thought it would be fun. And if you uh Ooh. yeah, put Cody Glass at a fourth line center, I'm not sure he's doing that. But it'd be fantastic. It would just be like because I feel like like just having Cody Glass and Ryan Reeves standing next to each other. That would be fun. Would be fantastic. And it's one of the uh, that's one of the reasons I love hockey. You could get those two guys just standing next to each other and be like, hey. These two guys play the same sport. Fun fact. I'm going Pat Roy. <laughs> Pat Roy. Yeah. I, I, I think Pat Roy's got a good chance to carve out that role. I just mean that's how we're pronouncing it now. Oh. Pat Roy. This is going to be just a great training camp subplot of That's going to be my first interview. I'm just going to go right up like, "What is your name?" No, don't do it. We're waiting we're saving
0: it for the podcast. Oh. Yeah. We're, we're going to get him that. on. Yeah, we're going to get him on and oh. then we're going to go with we're going to tell him it's Pat Roy from now on. <laughs> And then once he scores... We're not going to ask him. We're going to tell him. Yeah, once he scores 10 goals, then he can decide what his name is. <laughs> That's what we're going with.
1: I kind of... I hope if he like ends up becoming a Hall of Famer, I can't wait for that induction speech. He's like, man, <laughs> I was just jerks. a young kid. Wasn't motivated. And then these two guys, these two awkward guys on a podcast... Told me I couldn't have my
0: own name until I scored 10 goals. It was one young, enthusiastic, tall guy and one old, grumpy guy. They 400 goals <laughs> later, clear, but I showed them. Can I take the under
1: 400 goals? You're allowed to do that. In Pat Roy's career? All right, I'll do that. This is my dream scenario of us motivating a guy to, like, Hall of Fame status. <laughs> Maybe I'll take an all-star appearance. How's that, Pat Roy? That's fair. Then he can decide what his name is after that.
0: Well... We're spiraling. That means we're about to start talking about Ben going to Kansas City. That means it's probably time to end the podcast for great today. Day. It was a great time. It's not a great time. It was fun. awful. It, that was the second most ridiculous thing this season, right behind uh, Dave Shane comparing Calgary to
1: Denver. <laughs> it was, was just a ridiculous <laughs> Dave moment. Dave Shane. Lo- Love Dave Shane hitting the links <laughs> while Goose Gusev's <heads> breaking. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. Dave just picked a great time to go on vacation. He saw a Goose
0: out on the pond and reminded him, like, oh, there was a trade going down. Well, that'll do it for us golden edge podcast presented by stn sports mobile from station casinos thank you guys for listening again make sure you like subscribe comment share whatever you do with podcasts do it for us tell your friends we're here all the time we'll try to do it even more regularly make sure we get you a new podcast at least once a week sometimes even twice we're gonna have a very special guest coming in studio very soon so make sure you stay tuned for that check it out golden edge podcast for ben goats i'm matt Hill. we'll talk to you guys again real soon